So welcome everyone today to Psalms Through the Eyes of the Living Letters. And today we're we're going to be going through Psalm 119. We're still in the Psalm 119 uh, section here. And uh, we're going through verses 73 through 73 through 80. Uh, as you guys well know, just as a reminder, Ed, for, for those of you that have been here before, but for those of you who are just listening to us the first time, uh, we're going through each section of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is broken down into the 22 Hebrew living letters, and each one of those letters have eight verses. It's better known as, at least in the, from the Hebraic perspective, as the eight facets. Now, I love that because of a, of a revelation that Father had given me some years back about what I call the the diamond of Yahweh. And there's a there's a beautiful encounter that goes along with this that that brought about the understanding that the Father had given to me about it. And I don't have I don't want to go into the depth of that just right now unless Holy Spirit says to, but I do want to bring up one particular part of that because while we're exploring the eight facets of each one of these Hebrew living letters, it helps to remind us about who we are. You see, in the place where uh, the Father began to teach me the understanding about what I call the diamond of Yahweh had to do with this place of, of realizing that, that I was a facet of one of, of that diamond of Yahweh. And when he showed me that, of course, I immediately thought, well, if I'm a facet, then each one of us are different facets. And it really started making sense. Because when you look at a, at, a, at a round diamond or even a square diamond, doesn't matter, it all fits, no matter which shape of diamond you're looking at, each facet has a slightly different perspective at the center of the diamond. You see, because when, he, when, when Yahweh began to show me this diamond, this diamond was a little bit different from most diamonds in the sense where there was a light emanating from the very center of the diamond. And he revealed to me that he was that light in the center of the diamond. So, in other words, this diamond produced its own light. And but when you when you begin to think about how diamonds and what what causes the true beauty of a diamond to be able to to be seen, it has to do with the place where that light begins to reflect and refract as it hits each one of those facets. And so it started making sense because I started to notice. That, that as his light hit me, it hit me as the pure white light of my father. And, and it brought understanding to me. It brought an illumination of, of understanding to a depth of his word. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a few minutes. But at the same time, part of that light also refracted from me. So in other words, when you talk about refraction there, uh, essentially what happens is that it, that white light turns into the seven different colors of the rainbow, or if you will, better yet, the seven spirits of the Lord. Some of you that may or may not may or may not know that, but the, the, the seven spirits of the Lord have an associated color that goes along with them. And so it began to it began to open up an understanding about how the true beauty of a diamond actually works. Because as those as those colors were bouncing off of other facets, when you turned the diamond, you began to see that, that fiery, brilliant dance of all the colors because it was bouncing off of other facets. In other words, the treasure of what the Father gave me was able to be shared with other people. But the same thing was true of them. 
as the white light of the Father hit them, there was a refraction of that light that bounced off of me as well. You see, what it, what it did was it began to make me realize this place of who I really am in him and who he is in me, number one, but then who each and every one of us are and how each one of us contain a treasure. And each one of us contain this place where that treasure needs to be shared. Paul talked about it when he was talking about that every joint supplies, right? Well, it took me even deeper than that because I began to see not only the perspective of, of, the, of the wealth of the treasure that each one of us have, there began to be a, a place of honor and honor to everyone. You know, as a matter of fact, I've brought up this question before. I'm, I'm getting a little off subject here, but that's okay. I hear Holy Spirit speaking right now about this. Uh, what, what, what began to stir up in me was as I began to realize the wealth of the treasure that each one of us had, it also brought up a place of honor. And I asked this question of the Lord one day. I said, Lord, you know, there's a way that as I come to you, that there's a protocol. There's a way of me reaching to that place of, of coming to you. And, and I said, well, if each and every one of us are a part or a facet of who you are, in other words, we each have a very unique let me repeat that word one more time. Very unique perspective or facet or reflection of who the Father is. Each one of us are going to have these different ways of seeing things and different connections. And each one of us is going to have this place where we were able to, to share. And so if each one of us do have that unique perspective, then why have I not? I was asking about myself. Why have I not been approaching others with the same honor and the same protocol as I approach you? You get what I'm saying here? Ooh, I'm feeling that one. The same honor and the same protocol as I approach you. You see, if you can go there because of the unique facet of Yahweh that is you, the expression of Yahweh through you, when I approach you, I am also approaching the Father. Have you ever thought about it that way? So, mm, boy, thank you, Father. So in this place, today, I, I've, I heard what you guys have been talking about over the last, uh, over the last couple of weeks. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, I, uh, let's see, is... Mary's not here yet. I hope Mary joins. <laughs> uh, because uh, because one of the questions she brought up was something that we've been talking about a good bit over and over and over again in the Psalms. And as we were going through this, I heard Father say, as you go through Yod, I want you to begin to pull in some of those things that we that uh, that there was questions about from, from last week. Because, you know, when we when we look a lot through the Psalms, we hear some repetitive words. Words like uh, commandments, judgments, promises, precepts. And, you know, sometimes we, we look at each one of them and, and we kind of clump them all together. But the truth is, is there's slightly different perspectives about each one of those words. But we're going to use this particular part of the psalm to be able to go through it. Now, I love this. I love this because the living letter Yod 
which is the, the, the living letter that we're going over through Psalm 119, 73 through 80. The living letter Yod is unique amongst all the other living letters, at least in my opinion. And the reason for that is that, that every living letter that was created began with the living letter Yod. What do you mean by that? Well, stop and, and think about it. When you take a pen and you put it to paper, the first thing that's created on that piece of paper is a dot. And it's a little tiny dot, right? And then once you, once you put your pen on the paper and you begin to move, now something more is formed. And actually, truth be told, it, 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 will, it will move into the living letter Vav as well as other living letters that are a part of that. But every single letter, including the letter Aleph, begins with the living letter Yod. And Yod, to me, is a, is a beautiful place of creation. Matter of fact, just so that you can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about before we actually begin in the psalm here in just a moment, is that Yod is a letter that speaks about the all-spark of creation. But it also reflects a part of the body. It talks about the hand. So when we begin to think about creation, we begin to think about how, how Yahweh formed and created us. Not only, not only all of the universe and the, and the cosmos and the galaxies that are around us, but also how he formed us as well. And all of those things came through his hand. So both the hand and the yod kind of are, are analogies or, or perspectives of seeing about this place of creation. Now, I, I love this because I, I, I tell a story that goes along with this, and I, I'm, I'm hearing Holy Spirit to go say, go ahead and, and, and teach this just a little bit real quick, in that, uh, that when, when Yahweh began to form creation in the first place, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Um, by the way, tomorrow night, for those of you that can make it, I and I'm really asking for all of you guys that can uh, that can be there to be there tomorrow night, because tomorrow night is going to be a really awesome uh, discussion. Uh, Andy Arnold and I are going to uh, be talking about in the before time. Andy's got some very, really uh, some cool uh, revelations with regards to the uh, Genesis one chapter or Genesis one and that area. And uh, I do as well that we're going to mix together and talk about on uh, tomorrow night. So uh, we would love for you guys to be there. If you, if you can, there is a link in the chat uh, and I will add a link onto the YouTube. If you guys would love Charlotte, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Invite any, as many people as you would like to, to be here tomorrow night. Now that's going to be Thursday, uh, September the 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, uh, or like Charlotte, you're in, in uh, Mountain Time, so it'll be 6 p.m. for you. Uh, and then the rest of you, you'll have to kind of figure it out based on <laughs> most of the time, everybody knows Eastern Time, but be there if you guys can be there. But the, 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 the place of creation to me, I think it, to, it goes even deeper than that because Father began to speak to me how sometimes that a yod, not, so, well, not sometimes, actually all the time, but uh, that yod can also represent an idea. Or if you can go there, a seed. Because in the place where an idea comes to us, 
There's a place where creation begins, but it begins right here in our own, in our minds, and then moves to the place where it becomes planted inside of our heart. We begin to meditate on it in our heart. And, and the, the point is to bring it into the place of fruition, to bring it from the place of the heavenlies, this place where it's just an idea, into the tangible evidence on the earth. And so the, the same thing is true in this. And, I, and that's part of the reason why I felt like Holy Spirit led us into this part of Psalms chapter 119, verses 73 through 80, talking about Yod, because it begins to talk about just that. Psalm, in uh, verse 73, it says, your hands made me and prepared me. Your hands made me and prepared me. Grant me understanding so that I may learn your commandments. Now, this uh, particular Bible that I'm using here is the Art Scroll series, uh, and it's the uh, the it's an application that you can get you can download to to either Android or Apple, um, but it's a uh, Art Scroll Digital Library, I believe, is what it's called in the app stores. And I love to use this because uh, I love using the Tehillim as opposed to other translations because it more directly relates to the original Hebrew than, say, even the King James Version does. Uh, we've, we've gone through this before, and we've proven that, that sometimes the way it was translated in the King James Version is very different from the way that the Tehillim speaks of it. And so this is no different. So when you, if you're trying to look through the King James Version, it's going to look different from yours. But I love this because there is a, a R. Hirsch, which is one of the the the, the sages that, that wrote about this particular uh, verse, says this about that particular verse. Your hands made me. Grant me understanding. God fashioned. Grant me understanding. That's the verse. God fashioned each person with the talents and abilities necessary to fulfill his or her unique destiny in life. This is part of the reason why I started with this diamond of Yahweh, because I felt like Holy Spirit was wanting to bring out the very perspective of just that. Do you realize the treasure that you have inside of you? Do you realize that you are a vital part of what Father is doing in the earth? Without your part, without each one of us joining together, it's going to take longer for things to get done. You see what I'm saying? And so often, especially in the Western church, I know I fought this for years and, and, and still do sometimes, okay? <laughs> I know sometimes preachers may not, may not be, you know, be afraid to, to, to say, okay, I've got some weakness. Sometimes I still deal with that. Sometimes I still think, who am I in the midst of all of this, right? And I, I tend to, to catch on pretty quick and say, wait a minute, I know who I am. <laughs> but it's a, it's a momentary thought. There's, time, there's, there's times that we question ourselves. And, uh, but the, the fact is that Father has made us with unique talents and abilities necessary, necessary to fulfill his or her unique de destiny in life. Thus, the Torah, which God has provided, as a guidebook to fulfilling the destiny, is perfectly suited to each person's physical and intellectual abilities. 
Listen to this. Listen to what he says about this. The question is not whether one is capable of doing something, only whether the Torah requires it of him. If the Torah requires it for, for him to do it, then he is certainly capable of doing it. Now, what this is saying here is saying that just because somebody else is doing something doesn't mean that you have to be doing that same something. Just because somebody else understands things in one particular way doesn't mean that God is not going, or the Father is not going to reveal to you something that will add to what they see. Because I think, I believe that every, every revelation will join together, even what appears to be opposite perspectives. Listen carefully. Even what appears to be opposite perspectives can be seen together as one. Let me give you an analogy. The North and South Pole of a single magnet. Perfect analogy. Without the North and South Pole, electromagnetism would not work in the first place. It requires both in order to be able to work. So even what appears to be opposites, those things can come together and work together as a whole. And so in that place, the question is not whether one is capable of, of doing it, but whether or not Father is saying, I want you to do this. Okay? Now, to me, that's a relief. I'm like, thank you, Father, because there are things that in, in something, see, now, one thing, those of you that know me well know, know this is the case, but for those of you that don't know me well, I hate religion. I hate it. I despise, it, it's, it's nothing but, a, and yeah, I know hate is a very, very strong word, but I, let me just say this. I will run from religion. I do not like religion at all. Religion is a set of rules that says that I have to perform a specific way, do a specific thing, and a, and a, uh, and a specific way, and I have to do uh, No, that is not my father. That is not the love of my – he is not a set of rules in order to, to be able to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. The scripture even says that. That, that Yeshua was necessary because he fulfilled every require, righteous requirement of the law. And in that sense, we no longer had to be held by that law in order to be able to accomplish. And even the scripture says that the law in the, in the way that it was set up was set up so that really it was impossible for someone to really be able to fulfill every point of the law. So you see, there was, there it's, 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 it's unimaginable to think, what, what was the real true intent? What was the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father was to have a relationship with us. He wanted to be connected with, he wanted us to, to be able to really, if you will, like a, like a child, go up and sit up on our Father's lap and to, to, to be able to look into his face. I see myself not so much sitting on his lap most of the time. I, what I see is I crawl into the place of his heart. It's like his heart has this double door. And, and, and when he opened up the door to the secret place, because to me, that's the perspective of the secret place. There's a double door that he opened up and he said, come on into my secret place. And matter of fact, you know what? I'm going to close the doors behind us because the truth is, is that you never have to leave this place of the secret place. You can stay right here 
You mean I can stay in the place of the secret place with you, even though I'm walking around getting work done and I've got people that I have to talk to back during that time, you know, when he first showed that to me, I was teaching the class. And so I was constantly speaking to, uh, to students, teaching them tech support. So, you know, it, it, I, but I could be right in the middle of talking about tech support and father give me this beautiful analogy about how the, uh, how the iPhone could work and actually speak of, of, of godly things. And I could throw in these little bits and pieces of, of thinking, hmm, you know what? This is kind of like your life too. Have you ever thought about that? Software can be updated. And software allows your phone to be able to do more than it than it did be, before. So, you know what? Truth is, is that we can update our software. Matter of fact, the manual's right in front of us, right? And updating it, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Okay, I just brought it into the into the, the modern world, that same, that same scripture. But it's it, but it's beautiful. So if the if the father is not requiring of me to do something, why in the world am I beating myself up? Why in the world am I beating my back? You know, self-flagellate, whatever they call that. You know, where, where I'm beating myself up for basically to not doing something when the father never required it of me in the first place. But how do I know that? It comes through that relationship what I have with him inside of the secret place. I know his voice. I know what he said for me to do. And I can be at peace and honor and respect and, and go behind and help others who may be doing something, but not have to be required to do it himself. So the father is calling us to that place of knowing his voice and knowing what he has called us to do. That's why he's starting to call here. That's why, that's why it says here, grant me understanding. Why? So that I may learn your commandments. I may learn the things that you have asked me to do. Now, one of the things that have been brought up has been the fact that we've talked about how do all of these different words connect together, especially when you start talking about uh, mishpat or the, the judgments of God versus the commandments of God. So as we go through today, I'm going to pull out some of these words and spend a few minutes with, with some of them. And here's our first one, uh, so that I may learn your commandments. Now, commandments in this particular place in the scripture is mitzvot. All right. Anytime you have an OT or the English aspect of it, uh, vav tav in, in Hebrew, at the end of the Hebrew word, it means the multiplicity. So this is talking about the multiplicity of all of the commands. A mitzvah is a single commandment. But the, the, the living letters that are formed in this Hebrew word are mem, zadi, vav, and tav. I love this because when, when I begin to think about Mim, I begin to think about the place of the fullness of the Father. Another way that I like to talk about it is, is as the treasury rooms of heaven. And so when I see the Father's commands, or if you will, I don't like using the word commands. And those of you that have been in here for a while have heard me say this. For those of you that are new, you're going to hear a new aspect of this. And I want you to really think about it. Because to, from, a, from a Jewish perspective, from a Hebrew perspective, 
this word mitzvah and the, the word commandment that it was translated into becomes like this, this strong word, especially in the English, that means it's a requirement. And hence the reason where we get that, that we have a set of rules. The Father has set out his commandments, right? But the truth is, is from the Hebraic perspective, this word mitzvah or mitzvot speaks about the loving instruction of the Father. Now, again, remember, that's a whole nother, based on what I just said just a few few minutes ago, let's connect the two of those together. The fact that there are times that I may not be required to do something that you may be required to do. And I can be at peace. That's why the Father is, is making me into the unique perspective that he has made me to be. And so in that place, I don't have to be held by the commandment that you were held by. Why? Because maybe it's not as... Maybe it's not something that I have to deal with maybe as much as, say, someone else. I hate to try to come up with one particular analogy here. But I think I can say this rather generally. And and it would still make a lot of, of sense. Sometimes when we begin to look at one another, there there's some people that deal a lot with one particular thing. To us, we don't always have an understanding of why they are so focused on that one particular thing, because to us, it's not that big of a deal. It's not something that we deal with or fight with or not something that we're necessarily inclined towards looking at or watching or 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 that sort of thing all right yeah I, I can come up with one i love science fiction some people could care less about science fiction to me it stirs me up because i begin to see possibilities i see the connection of the father's word and i see possibilities that i had never thought thought of before but for other people, that may be something completely different. It may be a, a completely different type of, of thing that you like to look at. You like to look at, say, nature and creation. And so for you, you have a perspective in nature and creation that I don't have. See, there you go. Now we, we begin to see and the treasure that's that's hidden between each one of us. And I need that treasure that you have about the about the about nature and about the uh, the environment. And you may need to see some things that, that I see with regards to that what's typically science fiction, but to me is really like the God factor. I, 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 I'm not saying that science fiction is all pure and, and right. I'm just saying that, that to me, it expands our abilities to, re, to realize or expands our, our thought processes of being able to go beyond where we are right now. That's, that's, that's how it stirs up in me. So you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Now, those who revere you, you shall see me and they will rejoice because I hoped in your word. I love this part. This is verse 74. Those who revere you shall see me and they will rejoice because I have hoped in your word. In this particular part, I think about something that uh, that people say a lot. And I, I have even said before uh, I don't say it so much anymore because father, father kind of started messing with me about this. 
one of the things that I used to say was, I would love to be in this place where I could walk down the middle of a hospital ward or down the, the hall of a hospital. And, and as I was walking by, begin to see people being raised from the dead, begin to see people become, become healed. And we know that, that, that because of what Peter did, as well as other places in Scripture, where, where we have, the, the Father has given us this, this place of his presence inside of us, that, that as we go places, people do pay attention. I heard a story last night from uh, Damon Thompson, and he was talking about, I believe, one of his pastors that are connected with him. And uh, uh, the pastor's son is playing baseball in college, and he's a really, really good baseball player. But because of the things that were going on down here in, in Mobile, when, when they left from South Carolina to come here to Mobile, that, uh, that the, the young man wanted to move to University of South Alabama, which is here in, in Mobile. And uh, uh, so the, the coach, the recruiter, nobody had ever met this kid. Nobody had ever seen him play. Nobody had ever uh, had, had actually seen his stats or anything like that. But uh, through a series of events, the, the, the very combine, if you will, it's not really a combine, but, you know, like a, a place where they would get together and, and begin to see the, uh, the, the, the way that each player plays to see if they wanted him to be a part of their team uh, was canceled. And so they reached out and the, the young man was able to get a, uh, uh, an actual meeting with the coach. And while they were talking, while, while he sat down and had the opportunity to talk with the coach, again, remember, he had never seen him play, never seen his stats, never seen anything. And the guy is a really good baseball player. But because of their conversation, because of the way that they talk, the coach saw something in that young man that was like, I have never seen a 17-year-old that responds and acts and, and does and says the things that you say. And he says, I want that on my team. So it wasn't even about his abilities. It was about the spirit and the presence of God on the inside of that young man that permeated the room, and the coach said, I want you. I don't care how you play. I want you. Now, he is a good ball player, so he's going to be getting a really good ball player in his team. But you see what I'm talking about? That's who Father has made us to be. Now, one of the I, – I used to I used to argue. Y'all y'all just bear with me on this one because I used to argue about, about this all the time. I said, Father, I, I've walked down the middle of, of, of hospitals and and I've been praying the whole time and saying, Father, I want to see people being, uh, you know, being healed and, you know, rejoicing coming from the room. And, that, and, all, and as, as, I, as I go and do these things and I heard the father ask me this, he said, just because you didn't hear anything or just because you didn't see anything. You, does that mean it didn't happen? Does that mean that it didn't happen? I said, well, I guess, Lord, that in the sense where I know that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, that, Father, my obedience of walking down that, 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 that center hallway of a, of a hospital ward, that, Father, you were the one who were healing those people. 
And it didn't matter whether or not I heard it or knew that it even happened in the first place. See, it began to, to really begin to shake me a little bit in that sense of, of, of saying, you know what? Because I didn't hear it, does that mean I don't trust you, Lord? I expected one thing, but something else happened. And Father began to teach me, you know what? Don't, don't, don't lack the trust. Trust me. And it's accounted to you in the place where you obeyed me, whether or not you see these people raised up or not. That it's, it was done. Why? Because you were obedient in the things that I asked you to do. And I completed my part of, of what needed to be done there. Now, that to that, that, that was like, Father, thank you. Here all this time, not only have I been worried about being obedient to you, but I've also been worried about whether or not you were getting the work done. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Think about it that way. I was, I was worried about what God, okay, you, you ain't getting the work done behind me. I, I did what you asked me, but, but, but behind me, these people that I've just passed, I don't hear them uh, rejoicing out of their room saying that they've been healed, you know? So, so God, why aren't you, come on, why aren't you working? You get my point. You see a son, as a son, we know, we know our father, we know his voice, we know his sound. We live under the place of the shadow of the Almighty. And in that place, we know that as we do, as he's asked us to do, whether we see the results or not, totally irrelevant. Because we trust and we know that his word is always yes and amen. And he will do exactly what he said that he would do. So those who revere you, they will see me and they will rejoice. Just like that young man, they will see me, not because of the things that I've done, because just like, just like the, let's go back to this, 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 this hospital uh, thing again. I had to stop and think a minute. Well, then why was I demanding of God that I see a response? Was it because that I wanted somebody to see that it was me walking down the hallway? And recognize that God was in me so that what? So that I could be praised? No. No. As a matter of fact, a righteous Zadik, a righteous son, probably, well, not probably, most of the time hides. You're not going to know that a righteous son has, has, has been worked together with the father to accomplish something. Why? Because he wants him to have all of the glory. It's not about me. You see what I'm saying? And I realized there was a place inside of me that was wanting people to recognize me, not the God inside of me. Well, look at that young man who was going to play baseball. They recognized the God inside of him, regardless of what he had done or how he had done it or how much of a good baseball player he is. You start, you get the point of what I'm trying to say. So people will rejoice. Why? Because I hoped in your word. I trusted in your word. I know, God, that your judgment is righteous and that you afflicted me in faithfulness. Ooh, now that's that's a toughie because, you know, we're looking at some things that we've talked about before in this class. So those of you that, that are just now joining us, please go back 
and follow us from Aleph all the way through to where we are right now, because we've talked about this before. The first part of this is, I know, God, that your judgment is righteous, the word judgment. Now, the word judgment is the, in Hebrew, is the Hebrew word mishpat. And it's mem, shin, pei, and tet. Judgment is different com- from commandments because it, to me, one of the ways that it, it begins to, that, that has helped me to understand what judgments are, really have to do with my choice in regards to a particular subject or process or word of the Lord. All right, what do I mean by that? Y'all know that the scripture tells us this, that I have put before you blessings and curses, life and death. Therefore, choose life, right? Part of the commands, part of the law, not only express that place of the blessings that would come if we if we heard the loving instruction of our Father and out of love, listen carefully what I'm saying here, all right? He laid out the commandments and out of the loving instruction of my Father, I loved him so much and realized that, that he, was, he was telling me these things because he wanted me to avoid things like when my daughter would put her hand up on the hot plate. For those of you that just joined, you'll have to go back and listen, but I've talked many times about the story about her putting her hand on the on the burner when we told her not to. The loving instruction of the father said, don't, but she snuck around and did it. And when she did, it burned her hand. And of course, we loved her. We cared on her, but she never did it again. She learned. She learned from that point on not to put her hand on the hot plate, at least not on purpose. And, and so the, the mishpat begins to speak about just that. And so it's, it's not that uh, thank you father thank you father when I realize that he has given me his loving instruction and I move from that place then I can begin to realize that that I have a choice in the way that I respond to what he says. In other words, he's given me two opposites in front of me. And it's my choice as to which one I choose to do. I gave this analogy the other day and I was talking to somebody and I said, in one hand, I have a hundred dollar bill. In the other hand, I have a hundred pennies. Which one of the two would you take? The $100 bill or the 100 pennies? Both of them were 100. But in, in of course, in, in the understanding, when, when someone's mature enough, they realize that a $100 bill is worth a whole lot more than 100 pennies. Or is it? <laughs> or is it? I don't know. It depends on how what, what kind of pennies are in there. It could be that there's a penny in there that's worth $100,000. All right. But the the truth is, is that there are two things that are in front of me. So that's when I when I I have a place of choice. Father, there's sometimes that some choices are without we don't have to worry about. In other words, the father has already provided all that I need that, that pertains to life and godliness. When it comes to me going to my refrigerator, I don't have to ask God, you know, father, should I get the you know, should I get something out of the out of the refrigerator because I'm hungry? 
no, we've got permission to do that. And, and I don't have to beg or ask God for, for those specific things. Although he may tell me that I need to be careful about certain things because of weight gain and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's that's all a part of this. But the fact is, is that we have to eat, right? But then there are some times when we, when we ask the Lord, that say, hey, Lord, which one is it that you want me to do? And many times he gives us this place of being able to uh, choose for ourselves. There's been times when the Lord has said, you decide. You decide. There's been other times where I've heard him say the same thing, <laughs> except I felt a strong inclination towards one of the other of those two. And when I start asking him too much, he ends up saying, you decide, <laughs> says it a completely different way. <laughs> and it's like, when you hear that second, you decide, it's like, ooh, okay, well, he's leaving it up to me, but I think I know a pretty good idea because I already know in my heart the way he's leaning me towards. Y'all get the picture of what I'm trying to paint here, right? So there's, it depends on. <laughs> It depends on what he says and how he says it in, in response to that. But to me, judgment comes down to the place of my choice and the way that I chose to do that. So, I'm, I'm getting a little bit deep, and I'm, I, I know we got so much more to go over. Um, and I want to be honorable of the time, but this word mishpat, in a place where we begin to, to have the choices, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. So the mem, the mem would be the fullness of, of, the, of the choices. The Father has laid before us blessings and curses, life and death, therefore choose life, right? To me, that begins to represent that place of the mem. Everything is before us. The shin is the, the place where it becomes an action. Shin is a letter that speaks about uh, fire is one of its most literal translations, and teeth is another one of its literal translations. And, and so it's, it's funny because when I remember when Father first shared, shared that to me, I was like, fire, teeth, what, are the, what do they have in common? And then it hit me, both consume, and both consume in order to be able to have energy. Fire consumes in order to have heat. Heat can be used not only as warmth, but also also can be used to be able to boil water and 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 produce electricity. Food is something that our teeth will be able to 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 crush, so that our body is able to uh, to be able to 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 use that food and give us energy for our body. So I began to see shin as an action letter. It was something that we did. It was a choice that we made and a direction that we began to move in. So out of the fullness of what the Father has given us, then we begin to move towards an action. And in that place where we've chosen, because see, I also see the fire and the fire of the Father's holiness there. And fire to me then is in the place of the heart. So I see the expression of the Father calling me to that place of holiness. So I need to listen. Father, you know, when I look at these two choices— what is it that I sense that you are you are still is steering inside of me or still in, or uh, what's the word stirring up inside of me to to lean towards? And many times then when when he does, then there I kind of already know the answer, 
because as I presented with them, I hear what the father is saying and, and I move towards that direction. All right. The pay, the pay there because it comes as a result of out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now I've just spent time in his heart, understanding his heart. And when I know the heart of the father and I have lived in the place of his heart to where his heartbeat becomes my heartbeat. His words become my words. His thoughts become my thoughts. We know each other. Then I know the path to go, and I will begin to speak that place of the path. Now, the final part, the tet at the end of Mishpat, speaks about the place of the goodness of God. Tet means basket in its most literal sense. But Father gave me a beautiful revelation about Tet also representing the goodness of God. And so when I look at his judgments as a whole, based on the living letters, I begin to see this place of, of the Father giving me a choice, but allowing me to separate myself unto holiness, then allowing myself to be to be burnt up in the fires of his holiness, to know his words, to know his thoughts, to, to spend that time with him in the, in the fire of his heart, in the shadow of the Almighty. Why? Because he's leading me into the place of his goodness. So when we see judgments there, the truth is, is that I've, I've really, uh, many people have asked, why would a why would a, a loving God judge us because we did, we've sinned? Well, that's a whole nother ball game, and I don't want to get into the depth of the difference between sin and wickedness. I just don't, don't have time right now, and, and the Holy Spirit's not taking us down that, that path. But, you know, the, the, the question is, many times when we, when, we mis- when we make a mistake, when we do things that are, that are wrong, now there's, there's a difference between making a mistake, you realize that, and purposefully doing something. They're two different things, two different attitudes right? You do see that. And if I choose to not do what the Father has told me to do, that is a very blatant, obvious choice of rebellion to go and move away from. But what if I miss the mark? What if I don't quite hit exactly what, maybe because I didn't see who I really am in him? Then in that case, maybe I missed the mark in what he asked me to do. But at the same time, the loving instruction of my father comes in behind me and says, hey, let me show you who you are. As a matter of fact, this was meant, this was this, this showed you a place where there was a place inside of you that I I want to reach. You've covered it over and you've hidden it away from me. And I love you so much. I want you to, yeah, I want you to pull away that difficult thing. I want you to pull away that, 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 that veil and that, that, that binding that, that has wrapped you up. I want you to pull it away because I want my light to penetrate into the depth of your heart, into the depth of who you are. And I want you to see how much I love you. Now, it might be painful at first, but you're going to see, you're going to grow from this. You're going you're gonna to realize, ah, I'll never do that again. I know that is not the right path, and I'll never do that again. So he's growing us. He's maturing us in that place. And I've, I've really come to believe, to, this, is, this is what I was trying to say just a moment ago. I've really come to believe this, 
Father's word is, is yes and amen, but he gives us a choice. Without choice, we would not have free will. And he wanted us to have free will because he wanted us to love him because of him, not because of what he's done, not because of what he has he has as as set up, and not because we're we're good at at at, at being able to follow a bunch of rules and regulations. I want he wanted us to love him because we loved him, just like we love our spouses. Because he made us into this into into one who has the very love of the Father built inside of a. Father, I, Holy Spirit, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm not getting across exactly the depth of what you're trying to say here. So, Holy Spirit, fill in what I'm trying to the the heart behind what what you're trying to say here. I want to love you because I made the choice to love you, because I want to, not because I have to. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Not because I want, to, not because I have to, but because I want. To. And in that place, when we make choices that are obvious, that pull us away from the Father, we've already judged ourselves because we know what the what the what what's going to happen if we purposefully walk away from that. So, in essence, if you can go there with me. The Father has laid out the choices in front of us, but he left the choice of you, free to you. And in that place, you judge your own self when you purposely walk away from what you know he's told you not to do. Because the scripture itself says, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. So that means that if I judge myself and I realize that's a path I don't want to take, then I don't have to worry about my father judging me. Why? Because I saw his word. I saw the fullness of what he he has. And I love him. I don't. I would never even want to go down that path in the first place. Spending a lot of time on this, and uh, I hope you guys are okay. Today may be go, go over just a little bit, but I'll, but I'll keep going. Your judgment is righteous. And that you afflicted me in faithfulness. I kind of explained that just a moment ago when I said this place of he, he, he's not purposefully afflicting us. No, our choices brought about that place of affliction inside of us. But at the same time, he used that. He used that place where we may or we may have missed the mark. And he brings us back into the realization of saying, oh, thank you, Father, for teaching me. Thank you, Father, for maturing me, because I sure as heck don't want to go down that path ever again. May your kindness comfort me, according to your word, to your servant. May your mercies come upon me so that I may live, for your Torah is my preoccupation. For, my, for your word, Father, your teaching, see the word Torah literally means teaching. So your teachings are my preoccupation. <coughs> May the willful sinners be shamed, for they have maligned me with lies. But I will discuss your precepts. So those who have tried to, to come at me with all kinds of lies, that, that in the place where I have remained righteous inside of you, Father, and they have tried to, to blame me for things that I did not do, or, or speak lies, or even do harm to me, that, Father, they will be shamed. 
but they tried to align malign me. But I'm not even going to worry about them. That's what this is what he's saying here. I'm not even going to worry about them trying to dump a bunch of lies on me. Why? Because my but I my focus is your precepts. I will discuss your precepts. So there's your, there's another one. That's a, that's another one. That was one that was brought up last week when we were talking about this about the place of precepts. So when we look at commandments versus precepts, what is the difference between the two? Well, the best way that I can describe it is that precepts are like a mandate. A little bit different than a commandment. It's more of a mandate. So what do I mean by that? Uh, I love the word mandate because uh, uh, Apostle Aaron used to talk about this all the time, the about the difference between a deadline versus a mandate. Deadline just gives the, the, the idea that there's a completion and a finishing of something. Uh, mandate is in the sense of, of the father giving man a date. <laughs> All right. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's that place of saying, I'm asking you to complete a certain task at a particular point in time. And so precepts begin to speak about something along those lines. Uh, so an example of the of a precept would be, when Moshe was up on the on the mountain and about up on Sinai, and he had taken the answer of the of the leaders of Israel to say, "Yes, Father, we will marry you at Sinai." I know that that may that may throw in a whole other ball field, uh, throw in a whole other thing, but that's exactly what was going on at Sinai. Father was proposing marriage to the people of Israel. And when they came, when he came back, he said, I want you to go back and tell them to get prepared. I want, I want them to begin to, to prepare themselves to go before the mountain. And when they or, or to go to the place where the mountain would be. And that in that place that that uh make sure that they're they've 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 spent the time doing the things that they needed to prepare their bodies, prepare their physical bodies, and prepare their hearts for what was about ready to happen. But he also gave them instructions of not going to the mountain, not touching the mountain, uh, or else they would be thrust through with a javelin and so on. So there were very specific things that he told them. That is an example of precept. There was a preparation time. It wasn't a command. It was more of a place of getting ready for something. Now, modern day, I can't tell you how many times Father has taken me in these, in these places where he's gotten me quiet before him. He's taken me to the place where he said, I want you to just spend time with me. And uh, my wife, my wife can, can even attest to this fact. Sometimes I'll pull back, not necessarily away from her. I'm not trying to, to, to walk away from her. Matter of fact, well, I'll, I'll let her know, Father, uh, Michelle, Father is calling me to this place. And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of go back into a place where I'm, I'm alone, where I can spend time with just the Father and I. And as he begins to prepare me, for a, a, a next step. In some cases, I don't know what that next step is. In some cases, it's it's I do know what the next step is, and I'm I'm preparing for that that place of what he's called me to do for that time. Like before we kind of come in to be to speak, I usually will, because of a precept of the Lord, I will pull myself back and spend time in in hearing what the Lord is saying for me to speak at each place that I speak or in each class that we speak. And and uh, so that's the idea behind what, and the Hebrew word for that is the Hebrew word uh, pikud, 
Likud, and it's Pei, Kuf, Vav, and Dalet. I love that because, again, we've got the Pei, so the mouth, the words that we speak. Kuf is a letter that speaks about authority. Now, Kuf, I, I don't have time to get into the depth of Kuf right now, but let me just say one of the perspectives of Kuf speaks about a place of hidden authority. There's two parts to the living letter Kuf. There's a there's a, a, a Zayin, and then there's a Resh that, that covers it, that forms the actual shape of the letter itself. And so the, the Zayin, the crown of the living letter Zayin, is hidden because of the resh that is over the head of the zayin. So again, it the the to me, it's a picture of a a son, a son who is begin who knows who they are as as a king, an heir, and a priest, or one who is beginning to find that they are a king and then heir and a priest, but they choose to, if you will, put on their talit. I love that because to me, the living letter resh there speaks about the place of the talit. So I, when I put on my talit, I, I put it over my head and then I close it off. I, I, I don't, I very rarely have it open. Like most of the pictures that you see, that's I, when I'm, when I'm in, the, in the quiet place, when I'm in the secret place and the father calls me to put on the talit, I close it up because I, I want to be completely wrapped up inside of him. So this is an outward expression of an inward uh, of an inward expression, and I want to I want to, to to be wrapped up inside of him in the secret place. So Kuf there speaks about just that. It speaks about setting myself aside, and it's connected to the Vav. One of the meanings of Vav means connected, or heaven and earth connection to what the door, the Dalit, the place of moving into another place. That's the reason why the father, out of his precepts, prepared the people of Israel to get ready for the time that the father would speak out of the mountain. He was preparing them to take them to a door to realize who they are. Now, I love this because I've listened to some Jewish, uh, and I'll wrap this up in just a minute. I know I'm going a little bit over. I'll wrap this up in just a moment. I, I was listening to a, a, a Rabbi speak this one time, and he was talking about um, that time of of Mount Sinai, and he said every time that the word would the Father would speak a word, he said we all died at Sinai, we all fell dead, but then we're immediately raised back up, and he said as we were coming back up from 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 at the word of the Lord was so strong and his. And he and, and what the what he was doing was was shaking off those old ways. Remember, they had just come out of out of slavery. He was trying to 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 to, if you will, let them uh, to break those shackles of the slavery mindset that they had had for so long. And so they would die. And as they came back up, he said, "We began to see colors. We began to sense. We began to see something that was far beyond our ability to normal normally be able to see anything." And then, and then we would come back to, and, and wake back up, realizing that something had just happened inside of us. This was a Jewish man that was speaking. This is the Jewish perspective. This is the Hebrew perspective here. This is not, I'm not talking about it from a Christian perspective. This is what they teach. You see what I'm saying? 
And so there was a, it was a shaking and a place where the father was revealing to the people of Israel who they are. So this Hebrew word pikud here brought them to that door, that door of the next step that the father wanted to take them through. There's so much more to that story. And it's such a beautiful expression of the depth of the love of the father for us and how he was teaching us, teaching us his ways, teaching us his commands, if you will, his loving instruction, showing us his precepts and preparing. May they return to me, those who fear you and who know your testimonies. That word testimonies is the Hebrew word. The, the root word is the Hebrew word. Uh, actually, it's a seed word. Uh, but uh, the seed is actually the, the Hebrew word ed and ayin dalet, and it literally means witness. So when you see the word testimony, it's a witness between two or more. May my heart be perfect in your statutes so that I be not ashamed. Now, I'm going to come back to that word statutes at a later time. Uh, we're not going to talk about it this week, but but I do. I will bring that one up as well, because that's one more word that adds to some of the ones that you guys were asking about earlier. But Father, I want to thank you that in this living letter, Yod, you've begun to speak to us and show us who we really are in you. That, Father, that you have given us your light. Your Yod not only represents that place of creation, but it, re it represents the pure light of who you are. And you've given uh, each one of us a light inside of us that allows that, that, that your light to shine through us. So, Father, teach us, help us to, to tear down those veils that, have, that, have, that we have placed up, that have kept your light from being able to shine in every part of us. Help us to tear these down because, Father, we thank you that you have made us to where we have hoped in your word, and we know that your judgments are righteous, that you have given kind comfort, and that your word, uh, and that, that according to your word as your servant, that your mercies have come upon us so that we may live, because your teaching is what we are focused on. So, Father, I thank you that you're showing us this place where this seed, the seed of Yod, the light of you, will grow and continue to grow on the inside of us. Father, thank you that one thing that Yod also expresses is the place of Echad, the place of one. That, Father, it's your light in each and every one of us. And so, Father, as I approach one another, that, Father, thank you for the ability to be able to see into the eyes of those that you have connected with us, those that we are able to see, like here in the class, and when we meet face-to-face, -face, that, Father, we see the light of you inside of each and every one of us. And in that place, we honor you, Father. We come, we come before each other in pro honor and protocol because we see you in each other. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your statutes. Thank you for your precepts. Thank you for your testimonies. Thank you, Father, that you have begun to show us that we judge ourselves when we make the choices. And Father, we thank you that you have given us understanding, Bina, in this place. 
You've given us the depth of the understanding. In the name of Yeshua, blessings and shalom to all of you on uh, the recording. Now, if you would like to uh, to join us, we would love for you to be a part of our classes. Uh, there, we, we do these every Wednesday at uh, 10, uh, excuse me, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and we do a, an engagement afterwards. So we're, we're about ready to go into that right now. I want to offer that to you so that if, if you can join us to be a part of this, because we go into a lot of depth and those, those, those engagements are not recorded for a purpose. Uh, and that's that opportunity for each one to be able to share in a place where they can be themselves and be the, 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 fa- the, the, the reflection of the father that they, that father has meant for them to be. So join us if you can. If you'd like to give into our ministry, there'll be a link at the bottom of the uh, of the chat as well. Blessings and shalom to all of you.